0: according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Our Lord, God, and Savior, and King of us all, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, to be the glory forever. Amen. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Then He turned to His disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you you hear and have not heard it. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly, Do this and you will live. The the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This is the second Sunday of the Coptic
1: year, and the Gospel this morning is kind of like a, a roadmap as to how we were supposed to live the entire year. I want to give a little bit of context to the passage that we read. Right before this passage, right before this part that we just read, our Lord Jesus Christ is sending the 72 apostles out to the cities and to the places where he was going about to go and about to preach. And so now, during this passage, the people are coming back. The apostles are coming back after their mission. And they're telling our Lord Jesus Christ about the amazing things that were done and how the demons were subject to them in his name. And they're recounting all of the good things that happened to them on their mission. After they do that, the Gospel tells us that Christ is rejoicing that the simple people, the humble people, have accepted the word of God even though the so-called, like the wise people, rejected it. So he's rejoicing that the kingdom of heaven is expanding and he's rejoicing that Satan is becoming, is being defeated. You know, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. It is as if the church is telling us today, this is the goal of the year. The goal is to How can I, or the goal is to expand the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God would be brought to people. But the passage doesn't just end as our Lord Jesus Christ rejoicing that the kingdom of God is expanding. After stating the goal, the expansion of the kingdom, our Lord Jesus Christ gives a roadmap for this goal. Because there's a lawyer who comes to ask a question. By the way, this lawyer is not asking a question out of innocent curiosity. He's asking to test him. In the, in the verse it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, And in, the other, in other passages, in the, when this story is recounted in other Gospels, it says that he's coming to try him or coming to get him to, to slip or to make a mistake. But he asks him, "You know What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? So it's a great question, but the motives are kind of not so great. He's trying to tempt our Lord Jesus Christ, trying to trip him up. Because many people accused Christ of not following uh, the laws of the Old Testament, being someone who is a breaker of the law of Moses. So he's waiting for him to say something that would be uh, minimizing the law of Moses. But he asks him, he actually turns the question on him. He's like, you know, you're a lawyer. By the way, when he says a lawyer, he doesn't mean like he's practicing law as an attorney. A lawyer means he's studying the law of Moses. So he's familiar with the law of Moses. So he says, You know, you're an expert. You know the law. What What is your reading of the law? And he answers, He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Our Lord Jesus Christ, actually, in verse 28, the last verse of this passage, he zeroes in on exactly what is the real problem of the lawyer, and actually the problem of many of us. In effect, he says, you know what eternal life is all about, now go and practice what you preach. He said, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. So if the goal of every year is the expansion of the kingdom of God, the roadmap or the how-to of how to go about actually doing this is to love God and to love your neighbor. But there's a point that is connecting all of these things And it's an important one The mission of the apostles The return and the thanking of God the Father For their success The explanation of the two most important commandments Are all leading to something else They're leading to something else How practically do I expand the kingdom of God By loving God and loving my neighbor How do I do it? And actually the answer to how I do it comes in the passage or the part right after the passage that we read today. It comes by defining neighbor. And that's why the verses after what we read in the gospel today gives us the parable of the Good Samaritan. For the lawyer after Christ pointed out to love God and love your neighbor, not in the gospel of St. Luke but in another gospel, he kind of says, okay, well, you know, who, who is my neighbor? He's kind of, sort sure of be smart. He wants to sort of be, like, as a lawyer, as a studier of the law, he wants to, he prefers, like, technicalities of the law instead of sort of, uh, the ethics of what Christ is asking him to do. He knows Leviticus 19 says to love your neighbor. So then I need to clarify what is the concept, who is the concept of neighbor? What are the limits? Who is my neighbor? Actually, the Jews themselves spent a lot of time discussing this point in the law. And they usually decided that other Jews could be considered neighbors, but Gentiles are not their neighbors. So like for example, like when, they, when, you, know, when you read about this and, and how they look at this, if somebody, like a wall collapsed on a person on the Sabbath, if it was a Jewish person, it is okay for him to clear the rubble and to find out if the person was a Jew or a Gentile. But if he was a Jew, he would rescue him. If he's a Gentile, he had to leave him, because he cannot work on the Sabbath. This is kind of their interpretation of the law. But our Lord Jesus Christ gives them a new definition of neighbor when he talks about the Good Samaritan. You know, the, I'm sure most of you know the parable, it's a very famous parable, about the man who gets mugged on his way to Jericho, and, and people pass him by. The first one who passes him by is a priest, and he walks by. The second person who passes him by... Is from uh, the a Levite, one of the one of the, the servants of the altar, and he also, for whatever reason, he passed by, and then the third person, and you know, if you can imagine, the Jewish audience is listening to this parable, is probably expecting our Lord Jesus Christ to say, okay, now a layman comes and helps him, because they would like this concept that like the 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 people who you expect to help uh, didn't help, and the person that is unexpected comes and helps, so they're probably expecting our Lord Jesus Christ is saying a Jewish man comes and sees him and does X, Y, Z. But actually, he kind of puts a little twist on the parable, and he says that there is a Samaritan who comes and helps him. We miss a little bit the impact of what it means to say that a Samaritan comes and helps, because we do not have the same sort of cultural context that that they do. Samaritans had a completely horrible image in the eyes of the Jews. In the, in the days of our Lord Jesus Christ. They hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated the Jews. They were, if you recall, that the Jewish people are part of 12 tribes. The Samaritans were considered the part of the 10, uh, will be considered like sort of lost tribes of Israel. After they were uh, taken away by the Assyrians, they sort of started to intermarry, they started to worship at places besides uh, Jerusalem, and they sort of became, in the Jewish eyes, unpure and not true Jewish people. So, first of all, their sort of their racial makeup was a problem because they intermarried. And then, the, the actually the biggest or worst thing than this is their faith. They limited the their scripture to only the first five books of the Old Testament, and they rejected everything else. And they set up their own temple as a rival temple uh, instead of the temple in Jerusalem. So in the eyes of the, of, the, of the Jews, Samaritans are sort of uh, racially unclean and heretics. And so uh, even our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, when He was talking to the Samaritan woman uh, in the Gospel of St. John, He tells her, you know, you're not worshipping in the right place, um, but there is going to come a time that uh, we're going to worship God in spirit and truth. So anyway, He tells the, par- the, the parable of the good Samaritan, about how the Samaritan doesn't, doesn't pass by even though he's a heretic he obeyed the Levitical law love your neighbor as yourself he had compassion on the person he took care of him he used wine and oil for medicine he bound up his wounds he paid for him to have a stay at a, at a hotel at an inn and then our Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the passage he says sort of like the climax or the punchline of the parable who was a neighbor to the victim who was a neighbor to the person and the lawyer, he says, he, 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 he doesn't even able to bring his self to be able to say the word Samaritan. He says, the one who showed mercy. The one who shows mercy. So actually, our Lord Jesus Christ never answered the question of the lawyer when he said, who is your neighbor? All he said was, go and do likewise. So the lawyer's question is to point to each person and say, is this person my neighbor? Is this person my neighbor? Is this person my neighbor? Our Lord Jesus Christ is shifting this and setting us as a goal to expand the kingdom in this new year. He is saying to point to ourselves and to ask, am I a neighbor to someone who needs me? Am I a neighbor to someone who needs me? When we take the approach of our Lord Jesus Christ, I should then go against all the attitudes of the world. The world is always trying to put limits on who I should offer care and love and sacrifice for. I could love myself, I could love my family, maybe I can even love the people in my church. But outside of these small circles, I put up barriers. Maybe actually we've heard this parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan a thousand times. But when you get down to it, actually still we end up asking, well who is my neighbor? And we always tend to find someone who doesn't fit the category of neighbor. Some of us as Christians have a hard time seeing people who look differently than us as neighbors. Maybe groups of different religions or heresies, we have a hard time looking at as neighbors. To some degree all of us have some prejudices um, that make us not look at people as neighbors, but this is not God's will. So our Lord Jesus Christ today is not asking us to define who is neighbor. He's saying, asking us the question, how can I be a better neighbor to those around me? How can I do this? And when I do this, when I expand my definition of neighbor, I can expand the kingdom. I can do like the apostles. You know when the apostles were sent out, they were sent out to everyone, to uh, cities all over the place and they expanded the kingdom and they returned and they were rejoicing and God rejoiced with them and they prayed that they were and they were happy that the kingdom of heaven was expanding that the gospel was being preached that the demons were subject to the disciples in the name of Christ so if we are to expand the kingdom of God in this new year if this is our goal to expand the kingdom of God we have to expand our definition of who is our Neighbor, We can take a look finally at some of the things that the Good Samaritan did and that we need to do in order to be neighbors. He stopped. First thing is that he stopped. He took time. He befriended the person. He took time out of his schedule to care. The other two people, they walked by. And and maybe they justified their walking by by saying they're busy or they have something to do or somewhere to go. But they took time to stop. How many of us know people of, in need or know someone who could use some help? But we say, you know what, I'm busy. Maybe someone else who has some more time can help. Or I don't want to get involved in that person's situation. So, you know, better to just stay out of it. He approached the person who was wounded. He didn't avoid him. You know, trying to be making, you know, like, sort of like being afraid to make eye contact. You know how sometimes we know somebody who might be in need, we won't call them, we won't ask about them, we won't text them, we won't... Even if we see them, we'll kind of go the other way because we're afraid they might ask us something, make, make us feel sort of guilty that they may need help. We we'll have to learn to sort of walk slowly through the crowd, notice people that might be in need, notice even those people who are close to us that might be in need. And then the Good Samaritan, he got down where he was to the level of the person who was injured. This is the only way that we can see his needs and know how to help. And actually this is what our Lord Jesus Christ did with us as mankind. He came down to our level in order to fulfill our needs, in order to save us. Then the Good Samaritan, he picked him up and he didn't leave him in the same condition as he found him. It wasn't enough for him, you know, to say, oh, I hope you feel better soon and I feel really bad about this and hopefully... You can find some help or hopefully heal up or hopefully nothing happens to you. You know, like in the other parts of the scripture where it says it's not enough for someone when they come and ask you for food, just to say to them a nice word and say, you know, go and be filled and hopefully you'll have a a full stomach and you feel better. No, I need to actually do something. He picked him up. He didn't leave him in the same condition. He didn't just leave him as he found him. And he took him himself He didn't just tell him where to go, he didn't just send him to get help, he took him himself. A lot of times, we also want to help sort of at arm's length. If someone wants help, you say, well, you know, here's a person that can help you, or here's the phone number of someone who can help you, rather than, you know, taking the step of actually helping the person themselves, doing it individually. He provided for him. He did something about it, and he did extra, he went the second mile, Like our Lord Jesus Christ commands us in the Gospel of Saint Matthew. If you think about the story of the Good Samaritan, if you remember part of the story, he picked up the man, he put him on his uh, horse or his donkey, and he took him into the to the inn, and he told the innkeeper, "Here's some money, and if you need more, I will bring you more when I come back." Something you have to maybe want to meditate or think about. The person, the Good Samaritan, did he have money in his pocket? Planned to give away to someone who was injured? No way. Of course not. He is giving from what he needed in his tra- travels or in his trip or in his vacation, wherever he was going. This was money that he had planned for himself. Where did he get the resources? He's not taking extra just in case he ran into somebody who might have fell on the road, right? This was out of what he had out of what he brought for himself this is the way that we should be giving not necessarily just out of what i have extra but of what i have what was given to me by god at the end of the at the end of the parable of the good samaritan our lord jesus christ when the lawyer says it was he who showed mercy on him that was the neighbor he says go and do likewise so in the bible it's not a question just of who is my neighbor it's a question of How can I be a neighbor? And by being a good neighbor, I can expand the kingdom of God, expand the boundaries of who we should offer love to. So I would challenge all of us who are sitting here, who is in need of my love? Who have I not been loving to? Do I want the kingdom of God expanded this year? It is dependent on us. We are the hands and feet of our Lord Jesus Christ to expand the kingdom. May God give us the strength, the courage, the ability to expand the kingdom of God for the glory of His name,
0: and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.